Hey, this is Scott Klosowski. You've landed at The Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming, so jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. Well, good day, podcast listeners. It's good to be with you again, uh, and it's extremely good to be coming to you from our new podcast studio at our new Future Point of View offices. Tell you, there's nothing like doing a podcast from a very professional studio surrounded with all kinds of sound dampening, professional mics, big screens. This is wonderful. All right, we're about ready to kick off a new series. The series is on intelligent automation and humology. Uh, and hopefully everybody remembers humology is just the integration of humans and technology, uh, which really is what's transforming during this 50 years we call the digital transformation the integration of humans and technology to get something done. Now, automation is obviously a huge piece of why things are shifting on the humology scale from tasks done by hand to tasks that are enhanced, that are augmented by automation. So we're going to have a, a handful of, uh, of different podcasts in this series. So we got to start off with just kind of the introduction to intelligent automation, and note the word intelligent. We're not just talking about automation. We're talking about automation powered by AI, ML, robotics, powered by all the machine intelligence that we talked about in the last series. Now, I always start these with a story. Let me talk to you about two stories from my life. When I think about automation, I just think about my day. I think about two things. One is I never asked for Microsoft to use Viva to explore my email uh, and then bring up every day uh, what I might need to do and ask me if I want to take action on it or not. Uh, but Microsoft just started doing it, and uh, I, I enjoy it. It actually has turned out to be something great. Every day, uh, if you don't get this, every day uh, Microsoft sends me an email and it's used in AI to go through my email and look at things that I might have made commitments on. And then it asks me to just answer a question, uh, is this done or do I want to wait and have it remind me later? And I can pick off a calendar when I want it to remind me. Now, every day for me, there's about six or seven things that were in my email uh, where I committed to do something. Uh, and let's just say three or four of them, I'm able to say done, I just got them done, and then there's always two or three that I either have to make a decision to do them right then because I completely forgot about it, or just date it up so that uh, I get reminded in a couple days. Now, this is a fantastic piece of automation that I didn't ask for, right? The automation of reading through my email and making an intelligent decision about me committing to something just based off of the words that I used. We talk about intelligent automation. This, this capability from Microsoft is certainly one of them. But let's also talk about my new pickup truck. So I got a new truck, and I got a truck that's loaded with all kinds of technology. Uh, and it's interesting because my other truck was an eight-year-old truck. And just in eight years, the difference from a 2013 truck to a 2021 truck uh, is pretty amazing. 
there's all kinds of things that are automated, and I don't mean just uh, you know the seats and uh, things like that. If I turn my truck on from uh, a mobile app in the house, and, and it's cold outside right now, uh, the truck actually knows to heat the steering wheel and to turn on the seat heaters and all that kind of thing. I didn't ask it to do that. It just knows to do that because it also knows the temperature. There are so many things about the truck uh, that are automated like that that just make my life more convenient. And I just bring these up because, you know, when we talk about uh, intelligent automation, we're going to be looking at it from both how has automation changed in our lives and then how has it changed in the economy? What does it do to organizations? All right, let's kick right off with uh, defining automation. I hate just jumping into things without actually setting the context of what do these words really mean? Because after a while, words like automation can completely lose their meaning. Uh, so I think the definition from automation needs to be something like it mechanizes or digitizes a task or a piece of a process formerly done by hand. Now, I will tell you, that's not the Webster's Dictionary uh, uh, definition. I looked up the Webster Dictionary definition, and it does something that I can't stand, which is it uses the word automation in the definition of automation. So it says basically uh, to automate something. Well, of course, that tells me nothing as far as a definition. That's why I invented my own. I'll say it to you again. Uh, something that is mechanized or digitizes a task or a piece of a process formerly done by hand right? There's Scott's definition. But let's take it up a notch. Let's amp it up. Let's talk about the definition for a level of intelligent automation. So now if we take automation, which by the way, can be dumb, you can automate something where it has zero intelligence. It is just repeating a process automatically over and over, uh, having no knowledge or no understanding of any options or, or what to do if anything changed with the process. So you can have automation that I would say is unintelligent, right, or dumb automation. But what I want to focus on is much more kind of the next level of automation, where we integrate, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, right? We integrate machine intelligence that we've talked about before in podcasts into automation so that the automation can actually make decisions based on dynamic information. In other words, uh, if, if the data that comes down the automation is not exactly like it's seen before, it has an ability to adjust and continue to make a decision. Uh, okay, we don't have to program it for every single instance. It has an ability to be somewhat intelligent and make a decision on its own based on dynamic information. So there you go, intelligent automation. That's what I want this series to be about because we're looking into the future. And we want to see if the future is going to be a positive place or if there's an argument that it's not going to be so positive. All right. So why is this a good topic to explore? Why, why do an entire series on this topic? Well, I got a few different reasons. You know, one, obviously, automation dramatically reorders how we make money. And so in organizations or even in life, the ability to automate completely can change the game on how people are making money or how an organization makes money. Sometimes simply doing the automation in itself is what you do to make money. But there are winners and losers when you automate processes. If you think about manufacturing, 
If you have one manufacturer that still does everything by hand, and it's right next door to a manufacturer that has used robots and automatic processes right, to be able to do the manufacturing, so now maybe there's only 10 people in the entire factory, everything else is done by machines, you're going to have a dramatically different set of output. Now, in a world where I don't necessarily want to pick good or bad, I could say, well, if you're doing everything by hand, uh, you know, then there could be some advantages to that. You might be able to charge a much higher price. You might be able to customize things. But if you're a manufacturer that's looking to do volume, then you're going to want the, uh, the factory that is completely automated. And if you tried to have a huge volume of uh, production and you were using humans, obviously that just isn't going to work. So I think it's really important to look at intelligent automation because of the dramatic change it makes economically. It can change how we use our time. So again, that's personally or in an organization. Every time we automate something, every time we let a machine decide to make the decision or we let a machine actually do an activity on our behalf, it frees up our human time to go be reinvested in something else. And that's no small thing. All right. Another reason, it's a major competitive advantage in the market. And so when you automate, as I said, it, it not only dramatically changes how you make your money, it also, also can improve throughput. And by improving throughput, you, maybe you can run 24-7 uh, because you don't have to have humans involved in the process quite as much. And running 24-7 can give you a huge advantage in the marketplace. Uh, think about something like online banking. Right? Something as simple as online banking can be done 24-7 from anywhere. But if your bank doesn't have online banking, if it isn't automated in that way, then people can only do banking from 8 to 5 or whatever your hours are that they can physically go to a location. Uh, and so, uh, obviously, automation completely changes having an advantage in the market. All right, another reason I think it's important to talk about this, have a whole series, it can solve process problems that have kept products and services from being available. So there are some products and services you just could not do or you could not build without automation. In other words, you're not going to build a microprocessor chip by hand, right? That's just not going to happen. You're going to need machines that can build a microprocessor at scale. Could you build one? I doubt you could even build something at that kind of nanoscale by hand. Right? You need machines and you need automation to even be able to build something like that. And so automation, especially intelligent automation, it, it dramatically changes even what products and services are in the market now. And then the last reason I think this is a great topic to explore is uh, as we shift uh, on the humology scale from the, the human side towards the technology side, there's a lot of downstream consequences to this. We'll talk about a few of them today, some not so good and some positive. But it's important to understand that, hey, we've had automation for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, but now we have intelligent automation. And when we automate things, it does shift the relationship with human beings. And that does mean it has a lot of downstream consequences. So when I said, for example, that we've been automating for hundreds of years, let's step back. Right, let's step back to go forward. I think it's important to understand that uh, automation wasn't something that was just invented over the last 20 or 30 years. It wasn't even just invented when we got computers. If you think about it, 
you might argue you could go all the way back to when people use goats uh, to chew the grass down in a pasture. They were automating grass control, right? Still to this day, when I drive home, there's a field that has a bunch of goats in it. And I'm sure the reason isn't just because they wanted goats. It's because they don't have to worry about uh, cutting the field or maintaining it, right? The goats maintain the field automatically. So in a way, they have automated the maintenance of that field by using goats. Now, take it up a level. Let's go to the cotton gin. I think of that as more mechanical automation. That's not goat automation, right? That's mechanical automation. And so there's no technology involved as we would think about technology, but it is a technology in that it is a machine that could get the seeds out of cotton. Now, prior to this, human beings had to pick the seeds out of cotton, which you can imagine was A, not fun, B, you know, not very productive. So once you invented a cotton gin, you could just run the cotton through, turn the gin, right? You had many less people that were able to get all the seeds out of the cotton. That was automation. Or think about windmills. Uh, I've been in, I've seen windmills in other countries. I've seen windmills here in the U.S. You know, originally when they built windmills, they could do things like power water pumps. So they could move the water from one place to another, right, by using the windmills. Uh, or sawmills. I mean, once they actually used windmills to power a pump, they also figured out, well, wait a minute, we can also use them to turn anything. And if we were to put belts and pulleys we could actually power an entire sawmill before you had engines. You know, a lot of us, it's hard to imagine a world without engines, without motors, right? But there was a world without motors and engines. And in that world, windmills were a very powerful way to power things, right? They could automate the work of something. All right, then we move up, let's say, to manufacturing lines and the Model T, Right, where we automated the manufacturing process. Again, it was a mechanical automation. It wasn't like there was a bunch of computers involved, but we at least mechanized the manufacturing line to be able to speed up the building of anything. Then we can jump up to the steam engine, right, or even the combustion engines. Uh, when we had engines and motors, right, we could use them to automate things that were done with by that were not human powered. Think about tractors. Right? and the ability to use a, a motor and an engine and a tractor to be able to plow ground. Right? Again, all mechanical automation. But when the mainframes came, automation got a whole new level. Because when we got the mainframes, it was game changer. Now you could automate intellectual tasks. Now you could automate gathering of data, process of, of data, storing of data. And that changed the game. Because now we could write programs. And the programs could automate something that was done with information, but it could do it by, you know, by a machine and not by hand any longer. We didn't have to fill out forms, put forms in file cabinets, right? We actually could gather data electronically, store it electronically, and process it electronically. Now, obviously, we went from mainframes to PCs and you know, to the cloud and to the internet and you know, to AI. Right? And so there was a tremendous run-up of this next generation of automation that has built us towards intelligent automation. All the way up today where we can spawn a workflow, uh, we build entire platforms that allow us to, to build automation uh, into workflows. Uh, we can 
uh, actually use RPA, as we talked about in a prior uh, podcast, uh, to be able to build virtual robots, to be able to move information or, ta- or do tasks even between software systems. So I just wanted to make sure we looked back and then looked forward, okay, as far as what happens with automation. All right. I, I think it's important then also to provide, well, so what does intelligent automation do in our lives and what does it do in our organizations? Uh, and obviously, I, I can get this down to this simple statement. It augments our personal lives because it makes us work less for results, right? That's what it does. It makes us work less for our results. If you think about what uh, mobile devices have done for us and all the apps that we have, if you think about all the self-serve systems that we can log into on websites on the internet to be able to take actions, right? There, There are so many tools that we are getting. I mean, I talked about my pickup truck, right? But I also have a smart home. I mean, there is uh, probably 50 devices around me, sensors, that automate pieces of my life, and all of it makes me have to work less for the results that I want. So that's what intelligent automation does in our personal lives. It also, by the way, provides safety because we can automate uh, security processes like we've never been able to automate before. All right, so there's a lot of things to like about what automation can do in our personal lives. If I sum it up in the business world and I say, all right, out in the economy, what does automation do? Well, you know, we really really could get it down to two things, right? One is we can make processes repeatable and efficient. So we can take any process that used to be part technology, part human, or all human, and now we can use some intelligent automation. And now that process, again, it's highly repeatable. It's going to do the same thing over and over again 24-7. And then on the other side of that, it's going to be much more profitable and efficient for an organization. And all three of those are extremely important. To make something highly repeatable 24-7 means that it's dependable, right? Means that it's got uh, properties that you wouldn't have if humans were having to do it by hand. Making it highly profitable because the throughput is so much higher than if you had humans, the cost is so much lower when you automate something than paying humans to do it in most cases. And then making it efficient, uh, being able to uh, have, again, very high throughput 24-7 of a task because you don't have to pay people to do that task by hand. All right, so these are all the, the, if I just give you a big picture, what automation does uh, in our personal lives or in organizations. Now, I do think it's important to stop and talk for a minute about problems that intelligent automation causes. Uh, yes, we're the digital optimist, and yes, I'm going to end with all of the positive things that uh, intelligent automation can do. But I like to be fair about also acknowledging that there are some potential negatives about these technologies. So let me go through those with you. I told you that automation can create winners and losers in the market. Right? And, and one of the things that is a, a potential issue is the rich get richer. Big organizations who have money to automate at much higher levels, you know, they're able to take business away from smaller organizations that still have to do things by hand. Now, we could go back and look at fast food restaurants and say, look at all the money that fast food restaurants have taken away from your local diner. 
Now, of course, there's a lot of times you're going to choose to eat at the local diner. But go back 50, 60 years ago, that's all there was, was local diners or local restaurants. The fast food industry shifted a vast amount of money uh, away from the, the, you know, just the local restaurant. Now, that's just an example. We could go to manufacturing as well, right? There, in a lot of cases, the big get bigger. The bigger an organization is, the more money it can spend to automate something. And as it automates things at a higher level, at times, its cost base gets so low, its availability of product gets so high that it makes it difficult for a smaller organization to even compete with it. And that isn't always good because sometimes it's what's made by hand or it's what's made by the smaller organization that is custom, uh, you know, has some flavor in it uh, that makes it more interesting than what the mass-produced thing is. Uh, I would point to Amazon versus Etsy, right? If you go to Etsy, you're going to get handmade products that are one of a kind or uniquely done as far as a gift. If you go to Amazon, you got huge amounts of gifts that you're going to get extremely quickly, right? And they're fairly inexpensive. And so if you wanted to buy somebody a fountain pen, you can buy a fountain pen on Amazon for $20. Or you can go on Etsy and have a cus- get a custom-made fountain pen for $80, right? So that's one concern I have is that the more and more that the world automates, maybe the less and less there's room for things being done by hand or smaller organizations. And that would be a tragedy because oftentimes they are making the highest quality goods or the highly customizable goods. So I always hope that there will be a place in the market for uh, any business that does not necessarily automate. All right, another problem. Automation runs without being aware that it might be a problem. So if your automation is only semi-intelligent or unintelligent automation, oftentimes it's going to run and make decisions or take actions, whether there's a problem or not. This is why there is an argument at times that you want humans involved with processes and systems, that when you build a lights-out automation process, when it goes off the rails, it's a serious problem. How long will it run while it's off the rails? And if that's manufacturing, that's how long do you have spoilage now because it's ruining product or raw materials? But if it's in an intelligent world, how long is a, is a automation, uh, intelligent automation going to make bad decisions on behalf of your organization until you catch that it was making bad decisions? So it's one of the things about automation is it doesn't have a lot of discretion at times. The more intelligent it is, the more discretion or understanding it might have that it has a problem. But in many cases, automation just runs, whether it's having a problem or not. All right, let's jump to the human side. The more we automate tasks, the more we lose the ability to do them. And so, for example, if you have welding machines and they do all your welding, you lose the capability after a while to have humans who actually understand how to weld. I mean, the only ones that remember how to weld are the people who are still building the, uh, the welding robots. So there's a lot about this that can be uh, nerve-wracking for some people, that if we build intelligent machines that automate uh, all kinds of processes in the world, that we slowly le- lose the ability to do those processes by hand. And yes, there's two sides of this argument. One is, 
hey, what happens if the revolution comes? What happens if a sun flare happens, if an imp bomb drops and we lose all our technology? And now we don't remember how to do the things that we built the machines to do? Yeah, there's that. Uh, but then there's also just when you, when you give all of your capabilities over to machines, the machines are not going to improve themselves, right? It takes a human usually to improve the quality or improve the method of something through trial and error. So once a machine is automated to do a task, it's going to just keep doing that task over and over again. It isn't usually going to improve itself. Now, we are getting closer to that as we have self-learning. So as we have self-learning AIs, maybe some machines will improve themselves. But I just want to point out, right, that there is some danger if we automate a task and then there's no more humans that know how to do it. All right, and then the last thing I'll say that is a little concerning when you replace jobs uh, where the people who used to do that job are going to need to upskill or reskill, we can have some problems. Now, I, I always say we should not believe in the useless human concept. In other words, that machines are going to replace all humans and there's going to be nothing for humans to do. I absolutely don't believe in that. History has never shown that that has happened. Every time we automate jobs, we create more jobs. And uh, you can look at the economy in the U.S. right now. Uh, or Japan, right, where you have the most automated that these countries have ever been, and you have the lowest amounts of unemployment. So it isn't that machines replace jobs and then there's no jobs for people. The issue is that machines can replace a job, and then those people will have to upskill or reskill. And if they don't know how to do that or they're not comfortable doing that, now you have displaced people from something that they formerly made money at. And until they will upskill or reskill, they're unemployed. They're in a bad spot. So anyway, there you go. There's some things that, that concern me about automation. So uh, just so you know, I'm being clear, uh, you know, that not everything is, is goodness. But we are the digital optimists, as I said, and I actually believe there's more good than danger uh, in the world of intelligent automation. So let's talk about that for a second. Here's some, some positive aspects that I believe are going to just continue to change the world. Uh, first one, it offloads tasks that we really don't want to do or need to do anyway. So one of the things that you can do with automation is replace highly repeatable tasks, tasks that don't take a lot of intelligent decision-making or high amount of intelligent decision-making. In other words, if there's only three or four decisions to make, we can build an intelligent automation system to do that. But I think one of the things we need to understand is uh, as we automate anything with robots, with software, we are typically automating either dangerous tasks, uh, physically demanding tasks, or mentally demanding tasks. And mentally because they're either highly boring or they're very, very difficult to consume huge amounts of data and make a good decision. And so as a first thing about intelligent automation, it offloads tasks that we really shouldn't want to do anyway. And so obviously that, that's going to lead us to my summary of this, which is freeing us up to use our time in new ways. All right, then there's convenience. Another positive aspect, you know, again, especially in our lives, our personal lives, there's a large amount of convenience that we are gaining from automating things. You know, from having a smart home, I can turn things on and off, open things, start things, close things, turn things off from anywhere in the world because my home is internet connected and it's got some intelligence, right? So there's a huge amount of convenience with that. 
But I look at the, the world of technology that I swim in, and I think about how easy it is getting for me to do things that I've always loved to do. For instance, music. Right? I have more and more automation around my music so that I get the music that I like. It's just brought to me and handed to me. I don't have to listen to the radio all day long like I used to when I was a kid to try to find a few songs that I liked. And didn't have to struggle to get down to the record store to buy them, right? I was able to actually now, uh, because of all the music automation around me, all the good music is pushed to me. It's filtered for me. It provides a ton of convenience. When I want to buy something, I got multiple ways that I can just go online and buy exactly what I need. All right, next thing, the capabilities that automation brings us. Uh, it gives us power that we don't have without the automation, especially when you're looking at organizations. When you talk about automating a process so that it now runs extremely quickly, highly efficient, and in some cases, again, gives us the capabilities to build things or do things that we could never do when we had to do them by hand. Uh, an example of this would be the weather. Right, Weather prediction is getting better and better, more and more accurate all the time. When we had to try to predict the weather by hand, we were not that good at it. But the capabilities we have today of being able to understand where a tornado might touch down and exactly what the path of that tornado would be comes from thousands of weather stations and intelligent systems automating in real time you know, what, the, what, what the weather forecast should be. So we're going to have capabilities that we never had before efficiency, right? Just the efficiency of automation. Again, you know, being able to do more in less time, being able to do things 24-7, right? The efficiency of machines doing work on our behalf is incredible already and going to be even more so. The quality that automation can bring us. Sometimes doing things by hand means there are flaws, means that, you know, human beings doing things all day long aren't going to get them perfect. That's one thing about us as human beings. We are not perfect. We're not going to do perfect work. We are not going to do things that are highly repeatable over and over again. We struggle with that. Machines have the ability to do things with an exacting quality over and over again. All right, speed. Obviously, when we automate things, machines can often make the decisions or do the work faster than humans can. So with intelligent automation, we get speed, right? Just the speed of accomplishment of things that we couldn't do that way on our own by hand. Now, add all of this up, right? You know, the convenience, the capabilities, the efficiency, quality, speed. Again, at the end of the day, this frees us to use our time in new ways. That's what it does. Whether it's our personal life, whether it's our work world, Right? This is what intelligent automation does, is, is it constantly carves out a minute or two here or there in our day, or an hour or two there in our day, and turns that work over to a machine. And then we are able to invest that time in something else. Now, what we invest that time in, that's all up to us. And I think we got to be really intelligent about what we invest it in. For example, if you automate a lot of your work world, uh, do you then use the extra time to be more creative, uh, you know, to be more peaceful and to slow things down? Or do you automate and then just shove more and more and more into your day, which just exhausts you uh, more than it did before? Right? It's an interesting question about 
as we have this blessing that is automation and all the positive things we're going to get from it, how do we reinvest what we have earned on the other side of that automation? I can tell you, I'm very keen on looking at this in my life. I'm, I'm keen on automating things. I am always looking for what is that one thing I can do today or that new thing I can set up with software or devices that's just going to make my life just a little easier, right? Just take one problem out of my life that I used to have before, right? To, to just shave off two, three, four more minutes that I don't have to do something because now that thing is automated because it adds up. It adds up to me being able to be highly efficient in my day, get a lot done without feeling like I'm under pressure so much to get everything done. Same thing in in businesses. You know, how can we use all of the automation to be able to be highly productive, highly efficient, you know, lots of speed and quality, and then free up our people to be able to reinvest their time in building relationships, in being creative and innovative, So as you think about humology and you think about moving from that human side, doing things by hand to the technology side, and you think about it at the macro level of an organization, always be thinking about what do we do downstream from the automation? We're going to talk more about that in the next podcast because the next one is going to be the automated business. And so we're going to go on and cover topics like, okay, So if we look at the highly automated business and we look at what that's going to look like over the next 10 to 15 years, what is it going to look like on the other side of that highly automated business? And is that good or bad for humanity? All right. Hope you enjoyed this kickoff of the Intelligent Automation Series. Uh, I look forward to uh, showing up with the next one, uh, again, on the automated business. Uh, Until then, have your automation radar up. Look at your day, look at your devices, look at what you do at the, in the organization. Have some awareness of what the level of automation is that you bring to life and that you bring to the organization. And should that needle move, should you become more automated and put some effort into that? Or are you automated every bit as much as you would like to be? All right, until next time. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklosowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.